0: be reading uh, this morning from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement. He was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. Now all of this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did just as an angel from God commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he didn't have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. Joseph called him Jesus. This is the word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God, and may God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. May God give us wisdom and courage as we try to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Amen. Okay. So, if you, I guess we're uh, this, we're in week four of what we're calling our Advent journey, and we've been talking a lot about this idea of Are we there yet? So, four weeks ago now, I was talking about how when I was a kid, and probably when you were a kid, and if your parents, if you're driving across <coughs> town, possibly with your kids. You have said or heard the phrase, are we there yet? And I told you, if you're a parent, the best response I've ever found out, like, this is my best parenting advice to you. So get notes out. Get ready to write this down. When your kids say that, just tell them, yes, we're looking for a place to park. And they'll be really happy with you, and they'll stop complaining and whining, and you'll be like a dream parent that it happened for me that way. I promise, there was no eye rolling for it. But that first week we started we started working with Isaiah the prophet and Matthew the storyteller. And Isaiah has these prophecies of what the world will be like when the kingdom of God comes in its fullness. He has visions that come from God. And one of the visions, the first week, was that there will be a day when we, we, all of us, will to the mountain of the Lord, like all nations of the earth, Isaiah said, will flood to the mountain of the Lord, and when we get there, we will beat swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. And the challenge for us that week was to think about what our weapons of choice are. What is the weapon that you go to when you feel like attacking? And what is the weapon that you go to when you feel defensive? And how can you then take that weapon, and instead of using it for destructive things, use it to give life to other people? And then next week, we were talking about, from Isaiah, how there's this vision that he had, continuing on with the mountain of the Lord I did, that there will be a day when the desert will bloom, and there will be water everywhere, and he's talking about spiritual blooming and spiritual water, and that there will be a day when lions will lay down with lambs, and children will play over holes with poisonous snakes, And it's all a metaphor for the idea that there will be no predators and there will be no prey, that all people will be safe, and there will be no reason to have fear from other people. And our challenge that week came from John the Baptist, who was out in the middle of the desert, and people were rushing out to him to hear the craziest sermon ever preached, which was basically, you need to repent. And we talked about the idea of repenting being you're going one direction and you recognize that you're not on the path that leads to that world that, that Isaiah was envisioning. And you're on a different path and you repent and you get off of that path and you get on the right path. So repentance isn't as much about stop doing what's wrong as it is about start doing what is right. It's more hopeful that. So our call to repentance was to do three things. The first was spend some time daydreaming about what the world might look like when it's completed in its fullness, and what role you can play in that by repenting from two things. The first was something personal. And I gave the example of maybe there's a relationship that has been strained or broken, and what role can you play in repairing it? And then repenting of something corporate. So maybe spending time with someone who votes differently than you do, could you even imagine? Somebody who's a different race than you. Somebody who's a different socioeconomic status than you. Somebody who has a different (coughs) sexual orientation than you do. Spend some time with people who are different and recognize that they are a beautiful creation of God just as much. What would the world look like if we actually started doing those things? Last week I was in Tier C and the sermon that I preached up there was about this idea of hope and darkness. And how there are times when we find ourselves struggling. But that's okay. Because joy is bigger than happiness. Happiness is fleeting. Joy is deep and it's and it's rich, and it's more akin to faith and confidence than it is laughter and goofiness. When I was friend, and uh, he was engaged, he got engaged early December, and on Christmas Eve, his girlfriend had come to his house, his fiance had come to his house, and they had exchanged gifts, and some friends of theirs were coming over, and they were going to exchange gifts with their friends, and then my friend's fiance went to a convenience store and never came back. Somebody took her and murdered her. I will never forget being at the funeral and my friend walking up to me and saying, I still have joy. I'm broken and I'm hurting and I'm crushed, but I still have joy. Joy is different than happiness. And we can have joy because we know we are the beloved children." So today we're going to talk about how sometimes on journeys we get lost, and we don't know the right direction to go. One day, I was with my dad, and we were elk hunting, and we had walked pretty far, and we were going back to his truck, and he decided that we needed to go left, and I decided we needed to go right. And he was convinced that I was wrong, and I was absolutely I said, Dad, I'm not going with you. If you go that way, we have to walk all the way back this way, and then we have to get all the way back to your truck. You're wrong. And he had a few choice words for me. I have a nickname that he calls me. It starts with a D, ends with a T, like the last word is it. And he said, It Ross, you're wrong. We need to go this way. And I said, I'm not going. And I was convinced that I was right. He was convinced that he was right. The truth of the matter is, we were lost guess who was (laughs) right. But it's this strange feeling when you don't know what to do. When you don't know which direction to go. So the passage that Gina read to us from Isaiah, there's this king, Ahaz. He's the king of Jerusalem and Judah. And he's being attacked by his friends, physically attacked. His, His city and his nation are being physically attacked by his friends. And his enemies. And for some reason the attacks don't, they don't work. And he survives. And his, his city and his nation survive the attacks. And, but the whole nation, the scripture tells us, the whole nation, their hearts are trembling with fear. And Ahaz doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where to turn for hope. And Isaiah the prophet pops up and says, listen Ahaz, God has said to you to test God. And to ask for a sign. And the sign is this. You will find a woman... Who is a virgin and is pregnant And she's going to give birth to a child And the child will be called Emmanuel Which means God with us That will be your sign that God is with you And that it's going to be okay And Ahaz says these words I will not put the Lord my God to the test Which is the wrong answer in this situation For us, this is a strange passage Because we have a couple of things that pop into our head This is a prophecy about Jesus, right? Like we understand that but also, there's this idea that we remember, we remember that phrase, I will not put the Lord God to my test. And that's because Jesus says those words, but who does Jesus say them to? The deceiver, the enemy, the evil one. The voice that Jesus was hearing, he recognized as an evil voice. The voice that Ahaz was hearing was the voice of God. And he straight up said, no. No. Sometimes we don't know which way to go, and our job in those moments is to trust the voice of God and to put ourselves into a position where we can hear the voice of God. So fast forward a few thousand years, and there's this guy, Joseph. And we've heard this story before. Matthew's gospel, his story of Jesus' birth, is so short, and we're used to hearing it in hushed tones with candlelight being lit and beautiful songs and decorations and smiles on our faces that we miss out on the darkness and the grief of it. So let me help you find that in this joyful season, okay? Just what you we're hoping to come to church A betrothal in ancient times was not some romantic scenario where the guy kneels down or the girl kneels down and says, Oh, please marry me. I love you so much. Your eyes are beautiful. Your voice is like an angel. Like all the stuff that we imagine would happen in the Hallmark movies that I know Mike Black watches every single day. (laughs) What would happen is two dads would arrange a marriage. And there would be a price paid by the dad that was going to purchase the bride for his son. And they were betrothed to be married. A contract was signed. They were literally married with the exception that they had never consummated their marriage. So Joseph and Mary had this connection together, a legal connection, that was much stronger than a modern-day engagement. It It was... even probably stronger, unfortunately, than a modern-day marriage. Joseph finds out that this woman is pregnant, and he knows that they have not consummated the marriage. He has two choices. He might have three, but the third one, the last choice, probably the worst choice for him, is to go ahead and marry her. Because she has betrayed him, she is lying to him, and he knows how it works, how people get pregnant, and she is not going to own up to what happened. I mean, what kind of story is it like, oh, no, 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 I've never, I've never done anything with another guy, it just turns out that I'm pregnant. No way. No way. None of us would believe it. So he's left with two twins first is, he can publicly say what happened, and she will be stoned to death the way that would work is they would dig a hole they would put the woman in it, they would cover the hole up with dirt, her head would be sticking up, and everyone would gather around with stones and throw them but apparently, Joseph was a righteous man, scripture tells us, and he didn't want to see that happen, and didn't want to be the cause of that happening and so he decided to do the the next meanest thing he could do which was to dismiss her. Divorce her. Cast her out. She would be a single woman with a child in the ancient Near East. Her life was basically over. I have a feeling that Joseph loved her. And that's why he didn't want to see her stoned. But also, he needed to do the right thing. The righteous thing. Which was to not allow himself to be betrayed. So he's got a choice, and he doesn't know which way to go. Ahaz had a choice and didn't know which way to go. God intervenes on both accounts. The first account, God intervenes with a prophet and says, Ahaz, ask for a sign, and this will be the sign you should ask for, and you will find it. The second account. As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream. A messenger from God comes to him and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. In our life, when the plans that we have made and the things that we are hoping for fall, apart. that's the beauty of this whole story. Is that God uses people like Joseph, a carpenter? Joseph wasn't like some story of rags to riches. He was just an everyday, ordinary guy like all of us in this room. He uses people like Mary, a teenage girl. She wasn't a princess in the story. She wasn't anything spectacular. She was just an everyday girl like those of us in this room. God uses people like us to remind us and other people of this Emmanuel the God is with us and I know that's not like the silent night holy night beautiful story that we all want to hear but I think it's the story that we all need to hear and the story that we all need to remember because today may be going perfectly for you but six months from today everything may have fallen apart and guess what God is with us. Today, everything may be falling apart. And six months from now, things may be coming back together and feeling right. And you want want to know something? God is with you on every step of that journey. We celebrate this time of the year the idea of the incarnation, God in flesh. God coming to earth. God could have and should have if any of us were writing the story stayed away created us. been this powerful being that throws thunderbolts and crashes everything down and punishes people for their mistakes and makes sure righteous people are lifted up but God instead chose to dismiss all of that power and come to us born as a child. Know the entire experience, what our lives is our life, so that we can remember.